0: So we all love the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Am I right? That is just one of those great. I'm not preaching on it today, but it's a really good one. Um, no, it's it, it. It's one of those. It's just full of so much. There's a plot line that runs through it. The dialogue is good. There, there's pathos. There's awe. The God answering with fire, a revival. I mean, the people of God, they were like, okay, is God, God, or, is, you know, is, is it Yahweh, is it Baal? And they couldn't make up their mind, and then, you know, Yahweh answers with fire. And they Aah. what a good day to be a prophet, am I right? <laughs> Nothing like that when you preach, and, and people hear you, and they actually get it, and then they turn, and they repent of their sins. And then, and then it just so happened, this was during the time, you know, of Ahab and Jezebel. For those of you who don't know your Bibles real well, at least you know the name Jezebel, right? You know, that's not a good name. It kind of has a certain evil connotation. That's because she was wicked, just wicked. And when she found out what Elijah had done to the prophets of Baal, she sent word to the prophet like, Oh, good one on you there. I'm going to have you dead within the next 24 hours, or I just would call every curse imaginable down on myself if I don't get that done. And uh, Elijah, you know, after this big victory, he just kind of squared off with her and... Um, Yeah, no, he didn't really do that. He got scared. He got unnerved. He put his tail between his legs, and he ran as fast as he could in the opposite direction. He got as far away as he could, and then he just fell into a kind of despair. Tell me if you see despair in this. I'm going to read a little quote here from 1 Kings 19. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. Seems like prophets are always sitting down under bean, bean plants and trees and whatnot. But he sits down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die. Saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, I'm not going to say this was a pity party, but they had cake. They'd, no, they literally had cake. Look at this. Uh, two verses later, and he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones. So you see, I mean, he got a legitimate. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. This may—I may be the only pastor who's ever actually made this point. I just want to go on record as saying I think I've, I can claim this one—the the pity part. How many have been at that pity party before? God, just kill me. I'm done. Life, life, life. It is. It, it is so hard, and. and before I, I launch into this text, I want to tell you why I'm preaching this. Uh, by the way, last topical sermon for a good long time, so enjoy it while you can. Uh, we'll be back to the good stuff, expository preaching. But um, why, why did I pick this topic? And uh, I, I will tell you, um, over the last year in particular, I feel um, that so many of my older Christian friends that I've known for years... If you put it in the context of the parable of the workers who were called at different times during the day, these are Christians who were called at the beginning of the day. And they're my age, or or maybe not as old or older, but they fall into that bracket where they have been bearing the heat of the day for a long time. And so many of my friends that are in that category are discouraged. You know, you talk to them and it's like, oh yeah, you know, and I know that they've plowed They've, they've been out there plowing, doing the hard work they've sowed, and, and they've done good things, and they've gone about trying to be an influence for Christ in their families, and then they have, you know, they have prodigals, or they, they, they put time and effort into people that are hard to love people, people that have a lot of needs, and they plow into that, and they put time and effort, and they don't see it come back, and they're just like, it's not that they're questioning their faith, it's just they're discouraged, they just get to that point where they're like Elijah and they're kind of like, God, just take me home. Um, I mean, really, I just, I just want to be done. I just want to be done with this. And, and to those people and anyone in here that would fit into that into that category, the message is simple. Do not grow weary. Do not grow weary in serving the Lord. And if you think I'm preaching on clinical depression today, I am not. If you've got clinical depression, get help um, I would suggest you get medical help in in that, uh, but there, these things dovetail, and good spiritual encouragement is, is 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 that much more helpful if if you're going through real depression. Then spiritual help's going to help that much more. But I'm I'm talking about a spiritual kind of discouragement. Yeah, tracking with me on that? Okay. The word that Paul uses in Galatians six nine, which Carl uh, read means to lose your motivation to accomplish a valid goal. It is to lose your motivation to accomplish a valid goal. And so we use words like grow weary. You know, you just don't want to keep doing it. You're, just, you're kind of done with it, or you lose heart, or you, you're discouraged. And so that's going to that's gonna be how we're looking at this. And what I did was I went and I looked at every place in the New Testament where that word occurs. It occur, occurs a half dozen times, and a couple, pla- couple times in some places. So uh, that's what we're going to look at here. First of all, do not grow weary as to prayer. Now you're going to like this verse because it comes from a book we haven't been at for a while, um, the book of Luke. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, it's like, oh, they're going to hate it when I bring Luke up again. Um, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That you will recall, because, you know, this is all just lined up and ready to go, right? Because you've been through that. Um, it's the one about the, the, the lady, the widow, the widow. Who isn't getting justice and so she keeps going to the judge and de- demanding justice from this judge. And we said at the time probably what happened was it mentioned she's a widow. Probably after her husband died, somebody that was unscrupulous came into the situation. Maybe tried to take her land or the business or money or whatever it might be. And she was trying to get justice. And the, so what she did was she kept going to the judge and like he would, every time he would turn around, she'd be standing there. Like, Give me justice. Give me justice. The bottom line is we can grow weary in prayer. Have you ever grown weary in prayer? Why would would we ever become weary in praying? And the answer is because at times we get discouraged and we start to think that prayer is not not actually doing us any good. We, We are discouraged, like Elijah. We feel like, well, what's the point? I keep praying. I keep praying and I I don't see the change that that I want to see. At the end of the parable, Jesus tells them that God will hear and that God will answer when the elect cry out to him, but he indicates that it will take time in some cases. In some cases, it will take a lot of faith and it will take a lot of persistence. Um, We we don't give up praying simply because we don't get a kind of K-cup level expectation on, on prayer. Right, how many love K-cups just because you're lazy? It's a reasonably good cup of coffee. I could roast my own beans. You know, I know a guy that does that. And, uh, yeah, I could go through that and do the grinder, you know, and that whole, that takes 20 seconds right there. I'm not going to do that. Um, but, but we can get that way toward prayer, and we think, God, you need to... Chip, chop, chip, God, let's get on it. I need, I, I, I need an answer here. And, and, and we cannot grow discouraged when, pray, when answers don't come in that fashion because we've been told that this is a thing. We've been told it's a thing that not all of our prayers are answered simul, you know, just, just immediately. Um, we know that we have to have faith, and we know that we have to persist, and that God will come through. He will come through. But the timing is God's. Do you want to know what happened to Jezebel, by the way? Maybe, maybe you know. How many would like to know what happened to Jezebel? If, you, if, if any children are still in here, parents, you might want to cover their ears. Because uh, she died in a military coup, and, uh, and it wasn't pretty. They threw her out an upper story window, and the Bible says she went splat. It, she, it does. It's, literally, she, her blood splattered everywhere. That's Yeah, it's great pretty gross and then to make matters worse they didn't bury her right away they said oh let's just give her an hour to ripen and when they came back the only thing left of her was her skull the palms of her hands and her feet because the dogs had taken care of all the rest and 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 you could say Elijah's prayer was uh was answered by that point by the way where was Elijah he was in heaven he was already in heaven at the point that, the, that his prayers were clearly answered when it, when it came to Jezebel. Prayer is an amazing gift, it, is a, it, and it's an amazing duty. It's both, isn't it? How many think of prayer mostly like a duty, and how many think of it like, oh, never mind. Um, I could get you really confused there. Prayer and duty, it, it, it is both things. I keep a prayer list, and at the top of my prayer list, I, I, I keep a running list of answered prayer. Big prayers, small prayers, some of them don't seem particularly miraculous of those answers. Some of them, to me, do. I know the situation. I remember what it was like. But over time, what the interesting thing is that with time and not that much time, I have to archive answered prayer. Or else my daily prayer time would be like 12 hours long. It's true. I, 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 every so often, I just go through and I take the oldest half of the list and I, and I move it into an archive because God answers prayer and at the same time there are prayers on there that I have agonized over for so long and I haven't seen one scintilla of change in in the lives of those people that I'm praying for and so what do we do do we lose heart no because we know this is how it is this is this is we've been told that that we can expect some prayers not to be answered just in the, in that k cup kind of fashion there's going to be there's going to be p- persistence required there's going to be faith needed but we've been told that god will hear the prayers of his elect and so we we bank on that so don't grow weary in prayer that's the first place that we're not to grow weary in secondly don't grow, don't do not grow weary as to the gospel Paul writes this uh, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.1, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. What's the ministry that Paul is talking about there? Paul's talking about his apostolic ministry for the gospel, sharing the good news. And in that passage, in 2 Corinthians 2, you have that whole part about how some people are blinded, by Satan, and they've not, they've not opened their eyes. They've not seen the, the glory of the gospel in the face of Christ. And, and, but yet, as he, as he proclaimed the gospel, some were, in fact, saved. Paul goes on to talk about the hardship of bearing the gospel. He's really kind of like Elijah. Um, he suffered injury for the gospel. Look at what he says there in 2 Corinthians, still chapter four. He says, but we have this treasure. That's the, he's talking there about that ministry of the gospel, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. What do you think? Did Paul have reason to, given what he's told us, unless he's just being a hypochondriac here, which I don't think is the case. I mean, would you, would you find it hard to keep your spirits up if you went through all that? And, and to top it off elsewhere, he says, you know, and to add insult to injury, he had his burden for the church, and he had churches like the church at Corinth. That's why he had to write two long letters, because they were a dumpster fire of a church. People always say, oh, wow, I wish we could go back to New Testament times. Really, do you, you want to be part of the church at Corinth? It was horrible. Bad things, and, and Paul had that burden. And yet, he could say, chapter four, verse 16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is, re, is being renewed day by day. Many Christians I know feel defeated when it comes to faithfully sharing the gospel how many of you have ever had any discouragement when it came to sharing your faith anyone here okay one I see one hand two hands I'll give a couple people you know what Over. give it time <laughs> and it can because you know you you labor you 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 put it out there you fly the flag you let people know you're a Christian you expect them to ask you questions and then they don't then you try to drop in the conversation casually like hey do you know Jesus and uh it, it, it's hard, isn't it? So people don't want to listen to you. People, if they do listen, they'll argue, or, or maybe they just turn a deaf ear to you, and you feel like you just, you've been sowing, you've been casting that, uh, that bread on the water. You're, you're not seeing it come back to you. Don't be discouraged. Keep praying for souls. Keep, keep talking as the Lord gives you opportunity. Keep bearing that, that testament, because yes, some will, their eyes will remain closed. But for some, their eyes will be open and they will see the glory of the gospel. How do you keep doing that when you don't see the results? How do you keep going in, the, in, in that jars of clay kind of feeling that you get? It's like, man, the gospel's glorious, but I'm just a crackpot. I mean, what, what, do, I, what, what do I do with that? Well, here's what Paul says. He says, for this light, and this is still, again, the same chapter, all all connected, he says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, all our problems, all, all, all our issues, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You don't grow weary in the gospel Even though you can't always see immediate results, you don't lose hope because you know that your labor in the Lord has an eternal, it is working an eternal weight of glory in the face of things that feel hard right now, but but they're really, in the context, light and momentary. They're they're, they're temporary. They're part of this this age which is passing before our eyes so quickly, but in the age to come, there will be glory. Glory there will be glory you know it's it's hard i'm not preaching to you that that this is an easy way but but this this is a big part of the answer just like holding fast to prayer uh rests on faith we have to witness with that same faith that same idea that our gospel rests on faith in the glorious reward that god gives to his children so when you're tempted to give up which i'm Saying most of us that that, we get that way. We've tried, we've tried, we've tried. We feel like we're not getting much, much traction. Be like Rocky. This dates me to use, because I'm thinking of the first Rocky movie, which is well before some of you were born. But um, you know that moment where he he, he just gets stunned and he's like, Adrian! Huh? That was his wife for those that wouldn't know that. Adrian! Except like we've we've been stunned by the devil and and we're reeling. It's it's time to get ourselves up off the canvas. Jesus. Get our our heart set on him. Look to him. Have faith. Understand. This is how it looks. It is not unusual. It it happened to the Apostle Paul. But God has promised. God has promised that, that we will see his glory and experience that. Thirdly, don't grow weary as to doing good. And I would take this to be um, about living our life, not so much here about our words, though it can certainly involve our words, but, but just doing good, you know, that city set on a hill, the, the, the good works that are like setting a, a, a lamp and then not putting the bushel over, letting it be seen so that men might see your good works and gl- give glory to God. Paul says something um, nearly identical in two different places, Galatians chapter 6 and 2 Thessalonians. He says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, yeah. for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are the household of faith. And then he says almost the, 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 fewer words, but 2 Thessalonians Chapter 3, he says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. So in the, in the Galatians passage, the context is interesting. Paul is uh, finishing up his letters about grace and, and admonishing, admonishing them to bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the, the, the law of Christ. And, and this is talking about seriously loving your fellow believer, really investing Loving them even when maybe that love won't be interpreted the right way because you have to exhort and admonish and encourage them. Then he starts talking about sowing to the Spirit and not to the flesh. And you know, sowing is hard work. It's part of that whole, you know, I know farming is hard now, but it was really hard back then. And he's talking about just staying consistent, putting, putting the effort in, sowing to the Spirit. He's telling them to, to, to make this effort. For the sake of everyone, for all people, but especially investing yourself in the lives of believers, even when it's hard. This is uh, this is what I think he means by the idea of growing weary and doing good, because you know what? It is hard to keep loving people after after you get hurt a little bit, isn't it? In the church, how many people go from church to church? And people say, oh, they're a church hopper, or whatever the case might be. But, but re- the reality is, a lot of times they got hurt, and they didn't know what to do with it. And so they left, and, and, and guess what? If you take that attitude, you're going to go through a lot of churches. Because you're pretty much always going to get hurt where people are. And the pastoral ministry, I tell you, the, the pastoral ministry, you put this in the context of Galatians 6. And I think that a, a, a large measure of what he's talking about, about the doing good, is that kind of caring for people's souls that people don't really want to, <laughs> to have. See, I love preaching about this stuff. Preaching is easy. I know I make it look hard. Um, <laughs> but... The, But preaching is, I mean, to me, I find preaching to be relatively easy. Because what can you say? You know, I'm just up here, and you just don't know whether I'm speaking directly to you or not. I've been accused of speaking directly to people. But generally, it's just a, you know, it's a generalized thing. And if if, if it steps on toes, people think, well, it stepped on his toes, not mine. But what's really hard, what's really hard is when you have to care about people up close. And I'm not talking about hugs, all right? It's not the point. Um, That's not easy either, but... I'm talking about like bringing somebody into my office, making an appointment, having them come in and just look at them in, in, in the eye and say, brother or sister, you know, why, are you, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you openly sinning in, in, the, way, in the manner and way that you, you, why, why would you do that? Why would you dishonor the Lord in, in that fashion? And calling them, to, that, that is hard. That, that is, it is easy to despair. There's no good, I, and it hardly ever works that's one of those things where you faithfully do something according to the word of God and it doesn't really say every time you do this you're going to get good feelings and warm fuzzies back for your effort. And most of the time I've seen it, it, it doesn't result in that. But in the context of Galatians 6, this is part of the good he's talking about. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be Tempted. so that's a good part of of that good that we are to be about sowing to the spirit is often taxing i'm talking about praying I'm talking about reading the word of god not giving up on assembling ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing worship you know worship can, can be difficult Sometimes the word immorality and immortality can hang you up. I mean, that's a, it is a, that could be, have a little fun with Austin there. Did he leave? I hope not. Oh, there you are, man. I am sorry, I was having a little, I was so glad when you caught it. I'm like, please catch it, please catch it. And then you did. That was good. That, that was good, but I mean, all of these things, you know, we, we, in a certain context, we love them, but to keep doing them, to keep on doing good, to keep being part of the fellowship, to keep coming to ABF or being involved in, you know, in a cluster where you've got accountability and, or mentoring a kid through the mentoring ministry or being part of a WANA and just year after year spinning up and hitting it hard and then you get a little bit of a reprieve in the summer and then back at it again all of these things can make you weary and they can make you feel all the more weary if you're not seeing the the result that you want to see but we should not give up keep doing it and like elijah you're going to see you're going to see it come back now you may be in heaven when you see the full reward of that You don't give up. You don't give up. What does a runner tell herself at mile 19? By the way, that implies there's, what, 7.2 left? Because that would be a marathon. Did you say, Jesus, please come? Is that what you said? (laughs) Yes, that's probably true. Um, And I'm glad. I know that's what you'd be saying. But... What, what she can't say at that moment, what she dare not say is, why did I do this? I don't want, this is no fun, I hurt, I can't do it, there's no way I can make another 7.2 miles, it's not going to happen. If she tells herself that, what is she going to do? She's going to quit. She's going to quit on the spot. It's like, nope, nothing's worth that. What she has to keep telling herself is it's worth it. It is worth it. I've trained for this. I'm not going to give up. I'm, there, there is a finish line. It is not that far. I've already done 19. I can do 7.2 more. I am going to cross there. I'm going to see the glory of the reward of that. And that's, that has to be our attitude as, as well when we are doing good. And then finally, don't grow weary as to fear and persecution. He says, so I, I ask you not, this is Ephesians, uh, Paul still speaking, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Now, why was Paul suffering? What was Paul suffering? Well, um, all the best minds pretty much agree here that this here in the book of Ephesians is speaking about Paul's first Roman imprisonment, and uh, you know, sometimes people get this confused in their mind, and I don't usually correct them when we're study together or something but that there was a in Second Timothy, when Paul's talking about his imprisonment, he's talking about the second one. And that was dark, and that was scary, and that ended in his death, and it was rough. First imprisonment, he was on kind of a house arrest, and people could come to his home, and they could could open and freely talk about the scriptures and so forth. But, But nonetheless, this is where Paul's at at this point. We believe Acts chapter 28 leaves him there. And at that point in Paul's ministry, he had spent almost four years incarcerated, and you'll see this as we work through the book of Acts, but, but starting with about a little past chapter 20, you get into his incarceration, and he goes to Caesarea, and you remember he spends two, two years there. You got Felix, you got Festus, and that whole part, and then he appeals to Caesar. And so, so almost four years of Paul's life, of his, of his prime as an apostle, was spent incarcerated. We might find it hard to understand because we're looking, it's so easy from the vantage point we're in to look back and go, well, they should have just had faith that Paul was going to be okay when, when he was suffering these things. But can you put yourself in that position for a moment and imagine what it would be like? You're in this, you're in this enclave of Christians, this, this, this really, mostly you could say, a, a new church plant. Where people hadn't even had a concept of the church before. And you're going on the, on the word and the preaching of this guy, Paul, and now he's in prison. And he's been this way for four years despite all your praying. Don't you think you, you might lose heart? Their elders had visited with Paul shortly before he was taken prisoner. Acts chapter 20, I don't want to give you too much of Acts, you know, we're going to go there. But in Acts chapter 20, it's my... I would have to say, Acts chapter 20 is my favorite chapter in the book of Acts. It really is. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows he's, it's been prophesied he's going to be arrested. He, I don't know if he knows or realizes it's going to be so so many years. But he goes there with that, with that weight, and he calls the Ephesian elders to meet him at Miletus. And, and Paul just pours out his heart to, the, to these elders. And he's like, oh, you've got to love the flock of God. You've got to shepherd the flock of God. The, the flock that, that the Lord shed his blood for, he just puts that on them and encourages them to, to stay true to that. And it ends... And this beautiful picture um, is a little too touchy-feely for me, but I mean, they're like kissing Paul. They're, they've got he, they're praying on their knees, and then they just, they just, they just envelop him and and they kiss him and they and they weep at the thought that they could lose this guy. And here it is, several years later, in our text in Ephesians, and he's still under arrest. And he writes to them that they not be discouraged, that they not lose heart, that they not despair. How long had they prayed for his release at this point? Four years. Four years. Perhaps some of them actually wondered, I wonder if the gospel will survive this. Now we can laugh at that, can't we? We can go, oh, the gospel's so much bigger than just one person. But for them... Paul was kind of that person, right? Next to Jesus, the only, the only other person of that of that magnitude was Paul, and there he was in prison. Can you relate to that? Do you think Christians in the United States can, can really begin to relate? Maybe it's coming. There's a Malaysian pastor, uh, and I would, I would ask you to write his name down and pray for him when you think about it. His name's Raymond Ko. I have been praying for him for four years. About four years ago, one of our missionaries reached out and and told me about this guy. Um, he was, if you've ever seen 24, or any show like that, he was abducted from the streets of Malaysia. You see, it, it looks just like something out of a movie, because they got it on CCTV. Three black SUVs come roaring up on his little car. One drives ahead, cuts him off, stops. The other two back, you know, come right up to his back end where he can't maneuver. 15 men wearing masks, carrying assault rifles, jump out, take him out of his car, and he's not been seen since. No ransom demand, no, no request for any, any money to be spent. His, his wife, his children have not seen him in four years. The church has prayed. It's assumed, generally assumed, that it was the, some faction within the Muslim government of Malaysia that, that took him. And that church over there is still, still praying to see him. Four years later. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being under that kind of persecution and not losing heart? And yet our brothers and sisters throughout the world go through that. What would it be like if that took place here? What would would it be like if in America, what would it be like if if some of our elders or pastors, you know, yours truly, or or, preferably John, uh, (laughs) laughter That's the bus, and that's what it looks like from underneath. Uh. <laughs> no, seriously, can you, could you even begin to fathom what it would be like as, as the people of God as you struggle on, and, and, you, and you try to find new leadership, and you try to move, move ahead knowing that? And, and, and praise the Lord, in America, we, we have not yet faced anything like that. Instead, what, what, what do we face as Christians here? And, and don't you see it heating up? It's, it, it, it's more like a slow etching away at our self-confidence and our, and, and our self-awareness because what we're starting to realize is people don't want to hear from us, you know? Um, you may get shut off of Facebook for saying the wrong thing or off of, of Twitter. This week, I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I don't know if you tracked this week, but the House of Representatives uh, passed the Equality Act. Still has to go to the Senate. You gotta, I mean, call, pray, (laughs) write, because if that passes, um, people of a Christian mindset will not be able to pretty much maneuver at all on any issue with regard to the LGBTQ question. Like, there will be losses, there will be people going to jail, there will be people shut down, silenced. It's the way they wrote the law, there will not be any wiggle room for churches to hold the biblical standard without facing persecution. I mean maybe we're moving toward that. And if we are, I would say to you, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. It's the same thing, same as to grow weary. Paul's just been talking about God's eternal purposes and how they were realized in in Christ and that in him we have boldness and access to God through faith in Christ. And and he says so don't go weary. Don't grow weary when you see me suffer. Why? Because of the unsearchable riches which are in Christ. That's the only way you get through it, is you, you, you have to have that contrast. You have to see, okay, this is hard. This is painful. Yes, we're suffering. Yes, we, we can't see the end. We don't know when there will be an answer to our prayer. And yet, we know, we know that, that we can be bold because of that, those eternal riches which are laid up for us in Christ. To bring this to a close, let me include one passage which does not include the word, But includes the idea. I mean, this this is unmistakably part of the the same kind of idea. Uh, It's just expressed with different words. Also, Paul. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in serving the Lord. Don't grow weary in prayer. Don't grow weary in sharing the gospel. Don't grow weary in doing good, even when you don't see the stuff. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, and, I, and I'm saying this to people I know and, and, and people that are like people I know. You can, you can, just, you can be years into your Christian experience and, and really struggle to see where the payoff is on a human level. Like, where has my work, where has my prayer really, really blossomed, and where have I seen? Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary when you suffer. We know that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Be immovable. Look to Christ. Look to what lies ahead. Understand, this is just, this is how it is. To some extent. You will have answered prayer that if you if you keep track of it, man, you will be amazed at how many times you pray and God gives you exactly what you're looking for. But we forget that and we get stuck. We get stuck because there's there's a prodigal that we're praying for and, and and he or she hasn't come back to the Lord or or whatever it might be. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. If you don't know Christ, I would just uh, say to you today that Christians are not unique in having times of feeling despair, but there's a difference. When you don't have Christ, if you lose heart, what what do you have? And I know, looking at me, you cannot imagine this, but honestly, it felt like yesterday that I was young. Um, it it, it feels it, it seems like it was just a couple weeks ago, not not decades. But I remember being young, and not really having things figured out in terms of where I was at with the Lord. And I remember thinking at times, what is life about and why does it matter? And, and really agreeing with the scripture, not knowing I was agreeing with the scripture, that you know under the sun, if you don't count what God, is, what God means to you, everything is vanity. It's a chasing after the wind. And you let that get into your soul, and you start looking at life that way, and all of a sudden you're like, what's the point? And I can remember thinking, you know what? I would just as soon die and have it over with. Why make the effort? Why make the effort? And I would say to you today, there is is an answer for that dilemma. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. If you're weary, he says, come to me, weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If you want to talk about work that that is eternal in its value, it's the yoke of Christ. That implies work, doesn't it? You're you're yoked to him. He says, I'm meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your soul, for for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hear that invitation from Jesus today. If you want meaning, if you want to escape a cycle of despair that there's no coming out of, no coming back from, turn to him, believe in him and be saved. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, um, that though we are very human and, and we have feet of clay, well, um, in, another, in another light, we're just full-on jars of, of, of clay. Um, Lord, even though we know this about ourselves and we know that we are prone to be disheartened and to have despair, Lord, you have made it clear to us that we are not to lose heart, that, that you do hear that you see, that, that you respond, that you answer the elect. And Lord, that no matter what we do, whether it's in doing good or praying or witnessing to people for the gospel, whatever it is that we are engaged in, Lord, that we do unto you, Lord, that that is of eternal value, that our labor in you is not in vain. So encourage your people, Lord. Help us to pick ourselves up off the mat today. And look at it with those fresh eyes, a fresh, a fresh attitude and um, a vision just for, for eternity. Just put that in our hearts, we pray. And Lord, for the one that doesn't know you today, I pray that such a one would, would hear the, the gospel, the invitation that is there to those who know themselves to be sinners, who know themselves to be weary and, and burdened, and that they would unburden themselves by faith, laying hold of your promise.